Hi, I'm Clement Liu. Welcome to Season 4 of Just Sustainability. Let's return to the conversation that I had with Liz Thompson. In the first half of our chat, Liz invited me to talk about the lessons I've learned, the things that I'm proud of about the show, and the origins of the Just Sustainability podcast. Liz began the second half of our conversation by asking me whether there was anybody in particular that I hoped was a listener to this show, or if there are any guests that I would love to record with. Here's that discussion. So the next two questions are kind of connected, uh, as you'll see, okay. are here. Um, but one is, is there anyone... And even if it's kind of some like pie in the sky, but anyone that you hope regularly listens to your podcast and why? Is there anyone specific? Oh, like, uh, <laughs> no, I've actually never thought about that either. <laughs> but, so this is a, maybe this is like a, a bad thing about the, it's, so at least it's a non-standard within higher ed or, you know, one that doesn't follow the conventional advice. So, I've always been taught to think about audience when I write. Mm -hmm. um, and when I, I write, I, in fact, do think about audience. Um, when I write articles, I have specific groups of people in mind when I write that article. So I write articles aimed at a particular audience. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I, that's not been the case so much with the podcast. So when I created the podcast, I really was thinking about like uh, – I wish there was this tool. Like, I wish there was something that was that I could use to learn about these things. Uh, I was thinking, what would be a good format for people who are like myself, right? Who are trying to 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 learn about equity and sustainability and how they're related. And so, I I was initially when I was creating thinking about audiences who were folks who worked uh, in higher ed in equity or sustainability and trying to learn more about the other field or people who find themselves like my, myself living kind of in that in-between space. And were curious about like what other people thought of who also worked in that in-between in space. But as I've gone along, it's become increasingly just sort of, uh, I talk to the people that I kind of want to learn from. And then I sort of ask the questions that I'm interested about and have thought less about who might be listening. And instead have just been sort of, you know, like, asking the questions and like inviting the people that I've found most fascinating. So like, right. The audience I've been thinking about is actually myself, which is not what I've been taught to do and mm -hmm. maybe not the best practice, but like, I think because I, I actually find this like making this podcast, like a lot of fun, like it has become sort of a hobby and like, yes, I, by like, you know, like all the tracking on like my host, uh, suggests that people are listening, which I'm really super pleased about that. In fact, other people are listening, but uh, yeah, there is some element of uh, the audience I'm thinking about is myself. So it's sort of nice that the things that strike my fancy are also striking the fancies of uh, some other folks. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause uh, uh, this is not a huge podcast, but it gets enough listeners that I feel like I'm not just sort of like entirely doing like, right. Like something that's, uh just for myself mm -hmm. yeah yeah it, it has it has a, a good enough audience that i'm i'm comfortable continuing just sort of recording things i'm interested in because it's it seems to be appealing to at least enough people to make it sort of a, a worthwhile 
use of my time and not just sort of like, right. Like, uh, you know, me having fun, mm-hmm. which I guess is a worthwhile use of my time anyhow, but yeah, to make it feel like I'm not, uh, uh, I'm not, uh, yeah, it, it makes me feel unguilty about doing it. <laughs> yeah. And then on kind of the, the other side of that, do you have a specific dream interviewee and why? Oh, uh, well, so this is the thing, right? Like, um, uh, uh, I have a list of people to invite, but that list tends to be generated by like me reflecting on friends that I would like to have on the show or people whose things I've read or just like read about or heard about that, like strike me as like, oh, this is, this is a person I would really love to some time to talk with. And then I tend to like, the list is sort of populated chronologically where the people who have caught my attention first or that i thought about first are like the the people i reach out to next uh mm-hmm. and so i think that process doesn't lend itself to like having a dream person like i think there's a whole lot of dream people like just mm-hmm. right? like essentially you know all my friends who work in this area which i intend at some point to like record with them uh right as i like find out about various projects they're working on and then you know, want to talk to them about it or like people that I run across in my work that like I see doing or saying things that like really catch my attention and fancy. Yeah. So in some ways there isn't a dream person, but there are a category of dream people. And that category is just sort of what I listed, right? Like, yeah, it's just like anyone who's doing something that strikes me as really, really cool. Or like things that I think uh, I would like to learn more about, and I suspect that other people would, or I think it would be important for other people to. Yeah. After chatting a bit about how I think about the audience for the podcast, and who would be the dream guests for Just Sustainability, Liz shifted the direction of our conversation and asked me to do a little bit more word association. Okay, I have a different kind of series of questions to kind okay. of change things up. Sure. And so... I have a list of about 10 different words. Okay. And I would like for you to say then, after I say the word, what first comes to mind? Sure. After I say the word. So it's a little rapid fire. Okay. um, And we'll just kind of see where it goes. Sure. Okay. Past. Prologue. Future. Better. Friend. Relationship. Pie. Pie? Is that the, the prompt word? <laughs> yep, pie. <laughs> oh, uh, key lime. Solidarity. Strength. Technology. Uh, complicated. AI. Uh, overlord? <laughs> Space. Time. Educator. Facilitator. Weird Al. Yankovic. Uh, but no, let's see. What, what's my favorite Weird Al song? Um, Eat It. And The Good Life. Uh, sustainability. Great. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> no, that's a fun exercise. Uh, yeah. yeah. After warming up with word association, Liz asked me to reflect upon how my specific life path and work at the University of Minnesota Moores. This has impacted how I approach the Just Sustainability podcast 
and how I approach the conversations that I record for the show. So I have just a few more questions. Um, sure. Uh, as you also said earlier that, you know, you really have been located in, in education. Mm-hmm. But how would the podcast be different if you weren't working at uh, an institution of higher education? Ah. And even specifically, if you weren't working here at the University of Minnesota Morris? Yeah, I don't think it would exist. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I don't think I'd be able to do it, right? So, uh, I I think, I mean, I don't think I even would have thought of doing it. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's definitely being an institution where sustainability and equity are sort of co-core values, right? I think our institution is unique in that um, those are, those are, right, like, a lot of places talk about like having equity and sustainability be part of the mission, but like um, I don't think they are as like kind of fundamental and core to the mission and to the value system that it is uh, at university of Minnesota Morris, right? Like I think you talk to anybody and they will see their work in some ways as being guided or aimed towards uh, equity or sustainability or equity and sustainability, right? I think there's very few people at our institution who don't approach their work that way. And I think each of our offices in some ways, uh, and like our disciplines in some ways, uh, holds those two values as being kind of fundamental for their work. So I don't think I, I would, right? Like, I mean, yeah, so I don't, I don't, I don't think it would occur to me that it's like to, to build a podcast on that because I would have, I think if I was living anywhere else, working anywhere else, uh, it would seem too niche to, to work on. It's just being here and seeing that, like, you're right. I'm in a community where it's not a niche idea and it ought not to be for other communities that, uh, I think has made me think like, Oh, it's a worthwhile thing to do. And also like has exposed me to the, to the broad range of people who I can make the podcast with. Right. So like, um, I think one of the, the key things that has allowed me to make the podcast is in the past decade, I've met so many people because I work here um, that work uh, on these topics that have allowed me to to be able to, at this point, interview 33 or so people. And then I, I still have a list of an additional, like, right, like my list of people I'd like to interview is, right, I'm only about halfway through it of the people I have now and like people keep getting added constantly, right? Because I keep running into people uh, through my work related to the, mm-hmm. being at University of Minnesota Morris. I also think like being in the University of Minnesota system allowed me to like make the connections through the I on E to like, right, to have the resources to actually start this up in the first place. Um, and I, I think uh, one of the things I love most about working at the University of Minnesota Morris is because it is human sized um, it really does feel like a community and it, there's a whole lot of freedom for folks to pursue their work in the ways that, right, work best for them, right? Like some of that, like that flexibility of process and that, you know, that deep attention to one another, I, I think is actually very well embedded into the way we do things on our campus, right? Like we might not be explicit about it and we're not perfect at it, but I, I think we're better at it than many other places. Um, yeah. When, when we're inter- interviewing camp 
candidates on campus. That's one of the things I always like say, like when people ask me why I like working here and why I've worked here for a decade is that there's a ton of freedom in how we do things, right? Like I think we get presented with outcomes that, you know, our institution would like to accomplish. And I think sometimes those outcomes are imposed on us from uh, outside uh, <clears throat> Twin Cities. Uh, but uh, um, one thing I do really appreciate about like the uh, folks who have been sort of the, the, the leadership on our campus for the entire time I've been here is that there tends to be a great deal of openness to allow people to be great in the ways that they are naturally inclined to be great, right? There's not a, a for trying to force people to fit certain boxes. Uh, I mean, sometimes I think we hire with a, uh, with a mind of trying to like replace the person that left and like find someone that is similar, uh, right. That has similar skills. But then what ended up happening is as people spend time here, they make their work their own. Uh, and there's a lot of freedom. It seems to do that. Right. So like, for example, uh, right. Like I've been in the, the, uh, Office of Equity, Diversity, and Intercultural Programs now uh, under three different directors. And the office has like has adapted and changed, and the work of the office has adapted and changed uh right with each of those those different directors, right? There's mm-hmm. there's not that kind of uh, notion within our institution is that we have to do things in a certain way because it has been done in the past. Right. So people sometimes complain about that. Like, why are we doing this? And then we realize we do it because we did it in the way in the past. But then as soon as people realize that, like people are like are tend to be like kind of very okay about changing it, right. To, to adapt, to be sort of more contemporary. I mean, there are certainly individuals who, uh, right. Like are most comfortable doing things the way they've always done them. But I think institutionally and, more common sort of perception and view is that uh, it's good to adapt. It's good to change. It, it's good to do things in ways that make sense to the people that are currently part of this community, right? And we're not trying to force people into a model of doing things that is sort of like the institutional standard. The institutional standard seems to shift over time to match the people who are currently participating in the community or like affiliated with the community or partnering with the community. And it really does feel like our campus is a community. Yeah. So just two other questions. Um, uh, one, uh, you also, it's in kind of either the tagline or definitely the description of the podcast mm-hmm. uh, about curious minds of word curious. I was just wondering if also with the reflection, where do you think you got, your characteristic or behavior around curiosity. Yeah. So it's actually Peter Levin that came up with that tagline because uh, uh, I couldn't think of a tagline. And, and I asked him because he was the uh, the graduate student that was helping me with it. Like, because he listened to all of the earlier interviews to help me, like help me think through like how to like structure the actual episodes and like how to do the, right. Like the editing and the cutting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he picked curious as uh, part of the tagline because he, he struck it struck him that the conversation was curious. So uh, I, it had not really occurred to me that that's what they were. But given his recognition, and I think back to it, I actually think it's ADHD. So uh, I right, like I, I think the way ADHD manifests for m- me is that I noted. I like to say 
like the way I like to describe it is I notice shiny things. I'm kind of like a crow, right? Like I have this sort of, um, I have a compulsion to collect shiny things. And those shiny things tend to be like uh, ideas or like things that people say that for whatever reason catch my fancy. Um, and then I chase those ideas or like, right, the conversations around those things. Um, yeah. And I, th- I, I think this is where it's interesting, right? Like, ADHD certainly is a disability. It makes it difficult for me to do things, but it also, right, like has shaped some characteristics characteristics about myself that I really enjoy. And I, I think actually are beneficial for me. I, right, I notice those shiny things and I cannot resist pursuing them, which uh, I think has allowed, like, right, like my, scho- uh, which it really has informed my scholarship and has like uh, been like positive, impactful for elements of my work that are related to education like this one, like the podcast. Nice. Yeah. Um, and then the last question before just letting you um, say or express anything else Yeah. before we wrap up. But I was also thinking, especially from the very first one, which is in episode zero uh-huh. about, and I've, and I've thought more about the number zero lately. I don't know why. <laughs> um <laughs> But like, even I did a presentation and I said something about like the zero step. Yeah. And so zero is a number. Yes. But sometimes I don't think we give it the credit it deserves. And so we always think of like the first one, like the first or maybe the last. Yeah. But zero comes before the first. And so I just was wondering if you also had any thoughts about that, the the zero before it actually started or, you know, not specifically about that zero episode, but just, Mm. I guess like that step before you actually, or one actually begins, which might be that, that zero number. Yeah, no, no. So I think this matches sort of when you said the past, right. And, uh, or when you were doing the, like the word association sort of question and yeah. And one of the prompts was the past. And initially I thought like my, 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 my immediate thought was prologue because I do think Mm -hmm. nothing, nothing happens in isolation. The current state of the world and the current state of affairs, current context is always born out of things that happened in the past and always born out of, right? Like, so everything that happens in the past is in some ways like fundamentally necessary for anything that's happening now. Um, And so I think, right, like the zero for this podcast is sort of the culmination of my life experiences and like the things I had done leading up to it. Right. So like there's so many kind of weird incidental things that led to the, this podcast being creative, like created, like one was just like where I grew up, right. I grew up in Fort McMurray, Alberta, which is like, uh, right. That's sort of the heart of, uh, the oil industry in Canada. Um, and so I grew up in a space, uh, that was, uh, historically and I think, right. And in s- many important ways, still currently indigenous land, right. Like there are, uh, two first nations that, uh, hold land uh, where I grew up and that the oil industry happens to primarily exist on the land of one of those first nations. So like seeing the tensions of like growing up of sort of the economic interests of the oil development, the economic necessity for the community of the oil development, the environmental impacts of that oil development, and then sort of the complicated and complex relationships 
of there being a lot of folks being imported up there uh, or immigrating up there for the land oil development, the actual oil development happening on indigenous land, and then the the freedom, rights, autonomy, sovereignty uh, of the the First Nations that were up there. So seeing those tensions like throughout the first like 18, 19 years of my life and living them constantly, uh, I think shaped the way I think about things. All the things I've done like through my education and like my professional career leading up to it are things that like, right, like the led me to develop sort of the, the interest, the skills and the, the relationships with people that made the podcast possible finding myself at Morris and then like finding myself doing the things I'm doing at Morris and then getting connected to the, the ion E because of those things uh, led me to the path of like thinking about creating something like the podcast and then like actually thinking about creating the podcast and then actually having the resources to create the podcast. Yeah. I, I think there are so many things that have led to it. Like, I think if any of those things were missing, it probably would not be making a podcast. Mm-hmm. As our conversation started to wind down, Liz asked me a similar final question to the one that I tend to ask guests on just sustainability. That is, they asked me about whether there was anything that I'd like to talk about that had already been discussed. Here's my response. Yeah. So those are all the questions I had. Was there anything else that you wanted to express for, for this chat? Yeah. I mean, I guess I'd like to sort of turn one of your questions back towards you, right? So like, um, cause you are finishing your fourth year at the university of Minnesota Morris, right? Cause you started in 2019. Yep. What, how, what has changed for you in those four years working here? Yeah, I'd say at least two things, definitely. And we already kind of talked about that assessment piece. Um, mm-hmm. I also kind of closely connected to that is also around, around research and okay. data collection. And that definitely came from finishing the PhD and where that was really Mm-hmm. the biggest, you know, the the most significant academic endeavor I had ever had. My mm-hmm. my undergrad was great. Um and also at during my undergrad I, I did not do, you know, like an undergrad research project like mm-hmm. we do here. Um and then my master's also I I really I loved the content. It was exactly what I needed at the time. Mm-hmm. And I did do a, a final independent, you know, like a final project, but it was not a master's thesis where I had to work with a committee and I, I wrote, you know, a, a, a master's thesis document. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was not as rigorous um, and going through kind of the steps that I think now that, you know, I did with the PhD. Um, mm-hmm. And so... I think just that that experience definitely I, I've said to other folks really has changed me and changed how I think about data and research. Uh-huh. And then specifically for Morris, uh, kind of similar to um, what you've expressed is uh, I definitely have a greater value and appreciation around place and land and location. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I, I've always understood uh even from like an earlier uh, employer institution, you know, it's like 
location, location, location. Um, right. However, you know, they were coming at it from it was it was our marketing folks. It was our admissions folks. Right. And um, so a little definitely a little bit different. Um, mm-hmm. So but with place and location of just really, you know, others and then definitely myself thinking about, you know, where am I uh-huh. and how has it made uh, an impact or influence on me? And so specifically with Morris being in West Central Minnesota and, you know, a good, what, 40 minutes from Alec with uh-huh. some of the big box stores or even like a mall and things like that. And I definitely don't think I'm, I was the type of person even growing up. And then even when I was in Chicago that uh-huh. I was, I think I was probably an average consumer. Um, but it really, I think being in a small rural town, um, uh-huh. limited hours of the stores, limited stores, uh-huh. you know, uh-huh. I think initially I did see that as, as limiting and uh-huh. and and then probably a little bit negative, uh-huh. but now I would say in the past year or so is that you know I I don't miss seeing strip mall after strip mall after strip mall or uh-huh. you know just being bombarded by four or five or six different big box stores. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, like I don't miss that visualness. I don't miss then, you know, maybe that like inherent draw to consume and to, to buy, uh-huh. um, you know, there's only been a few times when I wish a store might be open at <laughs> 10 o'clock or 1030. Yeah. But overall, you know, with in, in those little, emer- not even emergency, you know, but, but overall, like I can plan my day and get what I need uh-huh. between the 9 a.m. to 7 p.m. or the 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Uh-huh. And um, and then I think a little bit to that too. And then if I don't, um, I think it also one of the values that I know we've talked about and also with then, um, and I know it's not specific to the disability communities, uh-huh. but you know one of the, they do with the disability justice principles, they talk about interdependence. And so yeah. when thinking about that with here is that, you know, if something's closed after 7 PM and you need something or, or, you know, um, and even, you know, just like the idea of like moving and, and, and stuff like that, you know, people were willing to help and, um, people were glad to help and people are glad to, to share, uh-huh. uh, you know, the fruits and vegetables in their garden because they definitely have enough yeah. and they want, other people to also enjoy it and they definitely don't want to have things go to waste. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so I didn't, I don't think I really expected that, um, coming here. And, uh, so I've been pleasantly surprised about that. And, um, yeah, so I think that that's been some, some realization maybe more in the past year that I mm-hmm. definitely didn't have the first year. And then the kind of the middle years with the pandemic. Um, so, yeah. And I'll, I'll definitely, I, you know, I've said to other people too, um, but, you know, I, I will always 
take that away from Morris of, of Mm -hmm. place and land. And then, and also the need and my own accountability to continue the education around native American, uh, communicate, uh, native American communities and, Uh and tribes and histories. Uh, because unfortunately, like many other people, I just didn't have that. And it never was even at other employers, which were also higher ed institutions, mm-hmm. it was never, you know, such a value or such a um, strong um, directive mm-hmm. to learn and know about um, the connection to to Native American tribes and, and the land that we're on. So mm-hmm. I really am grateful about that and have you know, will always appreciate that about working here. Yeah. Well, no, and I think um, it's right. Your experience is definitely something that uh, I noticed very early here too. Right, that in many ways it's an institution and a community that's really human sized. Right, like actually, it feels like right. Like in many spaces nowadays, they're bigger than human sized. Right, like there is some sense where you cannot really connect because right there is just so much going on. There's so much happening. The spaces are so sort of dense that like it's beyond our sort of cognitive capacity to like fully appreciate it. But here I think, right. Like there isn't that huge amount of stuff. There isn't that like really thick density. You, you, it's, you can, it's a, you're able to develop real relationships with the people around you. You're able to sort of like fully conduitly take in the surroundings yeah, and the, and I think that leads to a sense of connectedness that uh, one does not f- often feel uh, outside of like places like this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's again, that's all I had, and I super appreciate the time. I mean, I know we talk a lot, and and mm-hmm. um, you know because of work, but also uh, this is a different space, and. Mm-hmm. Um, and just really like having some time and space to to think about different topics, or also, as we said in the beginning, to to turn the table on yeah. on the podcaster and the podcastee or whatever the lingo is. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm just I'm glad we we could do this. Yeah, no, and thank you for coming up with this idea and. Uh, for also uh being so generous of your time and then taking and taking it to like hang out and chat with me um yeah this was really fun uh and it led me to reflect on things i had not thought about because right you ask questions that i certainly had not thought about previously like that uh i really had to sort of take a moment and reflect on things that i had not throughout the process which is i think always good right to to be invited to reflect on things that uh, right. One might be autopiloting through. <laughs> yeah. Right. Thank you. We're at the end of another episode of Just Sustainability. During my conversation with Liz Thompson, Liz invited me to speak about some of the background for this podcast, how I approach the conversations I have on Just Sustainability, and how our experiences at the institutions that we work at have shaped us. In the next episode of Just Sustainability, in the next episode of Just Sustainability, I'll introduce you to an old friend of mine, Jill Fellows. Jill teaches philosophy at Douglas College and has worked on a bunch of public philosophy projects tying together gender, technology, and equity.
Thank you for listening to Just Sustainability. If you've enjoyed what you heard, please support this podcast by subscribing and leaving a review. Just Sustainability is recorded with the support of the Institute in the Environment at the University of Minnesota. In particular, I want to thank Peter Levin and Beth Mercer-Taylor for all their help with this show. All the music on Just Sustainability is composed and recorded by Clifton Nesseth, and all the artwork was created by Kristen Nesseth. Thank you again for listening. Thank mm-hmm. you.